Well, let's read from Acts 2. Uh, we're going through this series um, or in August, considering places in the Bible where people are in awe of God. And we're going to read together here from the book of Acts. So it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Let's pray, shall we? God, we pray that you would speak to us tonight and you'd speak through me. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd help our ears be open and our hearts be ready to receive your word. Amen. Amen. Well, I have some, I have some very good news and I know you're all very excited about it. Uh, tomorrow, I get to go on holiday. And I get to go on holiday, absolutely, come on, to Perranporth. And Perranporth is where my parents live. That is on the north coast of Cornwall. Perranporth, as I like to explain, is about halfway between Newquay and St. Ives. It's a very beautiful part of the world. And I'm going to be playing golf and playing tennis. And I've got all these emails from my dad booking us into the golf course. We've got a golf booking on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So if you want to know what I'm going to be doing, it's probably going to be on the golf course. Now, I love uh, this story that I heard about that area in this place called Perranporth last year, about a man called William Haslam. And William Haslam was a reverend. He was a vicar. And um, he was a curious vicar because he got converted to Christianity during his own sermon. I know. Amazing story. So he had been given, he had been told by his doctor to revive his health, and so he went to Cornwall in search of some fresh air and good times, and it was very good for his health, but terrible for the health of the church, which unfortunately went from hundreds of people to just a few people. So, unfortunately, <laughs> thank you for the laugh. <laughs> so, where am I? So, he uh, was preaching one day at this church that was very, very small now, and God did something amazing to him, and he wrote a diary about the whole thing, and this is what he said. So this is, remember, this is about 1850s uh, in Cornwall. He said, I felt a wonderful light and joy coming into my soul. Whether it was in my words or my manner or my look, I know not, but all of a sudden, a local preacher who happened to be in the congregation stood up and putting up his arms, shouted out in Cornish fashion, the parson is converted, the parson is converted, hallelujah. And parson's just a way of saying country vicar. And then he writes this, in another moment, his voice was lost in the shouts and praises of three or 400 of the congregation. Instead of rebuking this extraordinary brawling, as I should have done in former time, I joined in the outbreak of praise and then gave out the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And the people sang it over and over again. And what I get especially excited about when I hear that story is what God did then through the ministry of William Haslam. Because at that moment of conversion, receiving the Holy Spirit, whatever that moment was where he felt that wonderful light in him, God then used him to bring revival to that area. So God's power, God's um, spirit was moving through him, especially as he ministered to the wealthy. He had this thing where he would go to people's homes and he would speak and they'd invite these friends and thousands of people gave their lives to God. And I love those kind of stories because it's so when it's so obvious, you know, the tangible power of the Holy Spirit is at work and people's lives are being changed. William Haslam's lives was changed. And then throughout Cornwall, you know, all sorts of people's lives were changed. 
And the word we use for that kind of thing is a revival. And there have been all sorts of revivals all over the place. I love to read about the Welsh revival or revivals, the most recent one at the turn of the 20th century. saw so 100,000 people give their lives to God. I love the story about the Hebridean revival where um, farmers would have fell full to their knees, overcome with the presence of God when they're alone in their fields. Such was the power of God at that time. And I love these things because they encourage me in my faith that God is on the move and that he wants to bring many, many people to him. He wants to bring revival. And when his people seek him, that's exactly what happens. And this passage in Acts is that kind of moment. It is a revival moment where the Holy Spirit has fallen. And just before the passage, 3,000 people have given their lives to God. And the first evangelistic sermon in the history of the church has just been preached. Now, what was the, what was the opening line to the first evangelistic sermon in the history of the church? It was, don't worry, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. God's power was so at work, they had to say, don't worry, it's nine o'clock, don't worry, this is God, this is God doing what he promised to do. But what we read in Acts is this moment after this where all these people, thousands of people have been baptized to receive Jesus. And then what we're reading about is their pattern of living, their pattern of living together, their pattern of worshiping God. And here's what I want to say. The early church must have been awesome. It must have been awesome to be in the early church. Can you imagine the stories that would have come out? Wow, did you hear about so-and-so? They've just given their life to God. Isn't that amazing? You know, family members are saying, wow, my son's just given his life to God. Or did you hear about my cousin? Or did you hear about, you know, whoever it could be? There were stories about healings. Uh, later on in Acts, it talks about Peter's shadow healing people. Isn't that absolutely remarkable? They'd line people up along the street just so that they might be caught in the shadow of the apostle Peter. God's power was so tangibly at work. And so what they did was, and you can read with me if you want to in your Bible, from verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the reason that would sound familiar to you is because that's generally what we do. That's generally what the church of God has done, devoting themselves to fellowship, which means spending time together, to the apostles' teaching, so sticking true to the word of God, to the breaking of bread, which means communion, and to prayer. But then God was doing amazing things. It says in verse 43, everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Jesus said, you're gonna do even greater works than the works I've been doing, and that's exactly what was happening. Peter's shadow was healing people. Just after this, do you remember there's the story of at the gate called Beautiful, where they say, silver or gold we don't have, but what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that's exactly what happens as the man who's been lame from birth gets up and walk. Can you imagine the excitement there would have been about that? The man that everybody knew about, the one that they've seen begging all his life, sat there at that gate, can suddenly walk. He's praising God. What a testimony to the power of God at work. Everyone, everyone's in awe of it, going, wow, that's so amazing. God, you're so amazing. But then it's not just... Uh, the God's power that's awesome. It's the people's response to it that I think is amazing. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Isn't that absolutely remarkable? People giving away everything they had, seeing what they had not as theirs, but something for everybody. We can see the power of their response in it. There's just this amazing, radical sacrifice. And again, if you think about the stories that would have been going around at the time in the early church, you know, there'd be people saying, wow, God's just provided for me. 
There I was praying for provision of money for whatever situation it could be, and wow, God's done it. Why? Because people were selling land. They were selling houses. That must have been awesome. Must have been absolutely amazing to be part of. And then it says they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and then it says they broke bread together in their homes. So they're meeting in the big, and they're meeting in the small. You could compare that a bit like to what we do on a Sunday in the big, and what we do midweek in the small. And through all of that, it says in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It must have been absolutely amazing. It must be, excitement must have been in the air. All these people have just given their lives to God. Some people describe sometimes in, in uh, walking with Jesus Christ a bit of a honeymoon phase for when you first give your life to God to a period along the way where you're just so in love with Jesus, you're so responsive to what he's done, you're so thankful. Can you imagine what it was like with a whole church full of people, thousands of people, all in that moment of God, wow, you're amazing. Look at what you've done in my life. Look at what you're doing in these other people's lives. Look at the love that we can see between each other. Everybody was going through that kind of moment. It must have been so encouraging. It must have been awesome to be a part of the early church. And perhaps there's a tendency among us to think that, well, these kind of things, that was for then. You know, the power of God's amazing, that was for then. But God's still, God's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his power is still at work. I got really encouraged a few years ago from stories coming out of Northern Ireland at a place called Causeway Coast Vineyard, where they estimated that they saw 4,500 people give their life to God over 18 months. They had this amazing time where the pastor, a guy called Alan, uh, Alan Scott, he was tweeting out every day, 10 people just gave their lives to God today. They had these evangelists who were going on the street, and then they had their people come to church, and this is the church where um, Healing on the Streets came out of. And they saw just amazing stories of people giving their lives to God. And they've had this uh, method with, it's called Jesus at the door, and had the picture of Jesus knocking at something. And they just use this very simple method and say, have you seen this photo before? And they'd talk to people about sin, they'd pray for them, there's amazing stories from that time about whole schools giving their lives to God. They told a great story about um, being in an assembly and they've just basically shared the gospel really freely and really directly. And they said, who wants to, hands up if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. And the whole assembly hall did that. It's amazing. God is still in the business of changing people's lives, of moving in power by his Holy Spirit. And church itself the gathering of God's people can be just that exciting. It can be just that amazing. What's your experience of church? Did you grow up going to church? Have you come to it recently? I grew up going to church in Northampton. Uh, Northampton's right in the middle of the country. It's famous for shoemaking. And we went there as a family, and we went to a fairly lively church uh, in the 90s, this was. And my mum led worship. Uh, she led worship with me when, uh, when she was pregnant with me, which is why I have this little theory about, I think that's why I like acoustic guitar. That's totally unfounded. The doctors can tell me that's nonsense. But I was part of that, and we'd go to Christian camps every year, this one that's amazingly called the Good News Crusade, which is straight out of the 80s. And then I went to Soul Survivor, which was amazing for my faith. That was a gathering of youth. And then I went to Momentum, which is the same kind of thing, but for students. What's your experience of church? What did you grow up with? Just think about that for a second. Because I wonder what stands out to you from this story as you think about the kind of experience of church you've had. 
you know, this is a church that is experiencing the power of God. As we come to this moment in Acts, it's not just a revival, although I use that word. It's an awakening. Everybody has come to life. The whole place has come to life. It must have been so buzzy. It must have been so exciting to be a part of. And the bits that stand out to me, I think, when I was reading this, are the bits about the wonders and signs being performed by the apostles, and then the bit about the Lord adding daily to those who are being saved. That really stood out to me. That excites me. I'm like, wow, Lord, do it again. You know, your power moving, healing people, bringing transformation. God, your power moving, bringing people to commit and give their life to you. But actually, you might not, might not stand out to you because all of it's fairly amazing. I mentioned verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. If we related to that situation, just if you take the average age of this congregation, that's a bit like everybody here saying, well, that deposit you know, that I'm saying up for my house, yeah, I'm gonna give that away. Or actually, you know, think about we've got Revitalized 250, this project we're fundraising for at the moment. It's that kind of thing where people are saying, I'm going to give radically, I'm going to sow generously into something. I'm going to give away what God has given me. That's what the people were doing. And then they didn't just have in this moment, because this is also amazing, you think about the reputation of the church. They didn't just have a blessing on their relationships, but the relationships that they had with other people. It says in verse... uh, 45, they sold property and possessions and they continued to meet together. And it says in verse 47, they praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Isn't that amazing? The church was, they had favor with people. And favor just means like the blessing of God. So there was good relationships with other people. So God wasn't just at work in like the really obvious, powerful, miraculous ways, although he absolutely was, but he was working the relationships that were there. And people, it says later in Acts, that they're of one heart and mind. So there was an incredible unity in the people, and then there was incredible favor and blessing on the relationships with other people. It must have been awesome to be part of the early church. It must have really been awesome. And together as a church, as HTC, this August time, we're going through this few weeks thinking about awe. Awe in August. Thank you, Jamie Marvaney, for that excellent title. Awe in August. Thankfully, it wasn't something like awkward in, you know, awkward in August. It doesn't have the same ring. And uh, Rory spoke last week on Isaiah, where God said he was going to astound his people by wonder upon wonder. Josh speak the way before that on Exodus and God bringing his people through the, uh, the Red Sea. And these moments where people are filled with awe at all that God has done. And as I thought about the word awesome, I thought, well, one of the problems we have with that is that we use it far too liberally, don't we? We describe everything, or at least I do, Everything is awesome, to um, quote the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Uh, One of my favorite comedians, Dylan Moran, talks about this. He says he gets annoyed at his children for describing crisps as awesome. He's like, they're not awesome, they're crunchy. You know, if he says if angels started singing every time you opened a crisp bag, they would be awesome. But as it is, they're just crunchy. And we just, we get sucked into hyperbole like that. Everything's amazing, everything's awesome, everything's at level 10. You might ask me, I've just been on a stag do this weekend, and at the end you might ask me, Tim, how was it? And I'll probably say, it was awesome. You know, it was awesome. Well, it wasn't awesome in the sense that it induced awe in me. It was pretty good, you know? We had a pretty good time. (laughs) I wonder if you do the same thing. I'm not sure that the power of God, I mean, I pray that he was, but I'm not sure the power of God was working as we had a bonfire and did all the silly games and that sort of thing. But I, I want to ask you tonight, what characterizes your relationship with God? What characterizes your relationship with God? And that's kind of the question we're asking together at the moment. 
Let's just pick out two things that characterize the people in Acts. Firstly, from verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. It wasn't just that they were doing these things. They were devoting themselves. They were giving their time and they were giving their money and they were doing it every day. They devoting themselves. And then it says later on that they were filled with awe. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed. And I want to ask you tonight, is your relationship with God, is your faith defined by those things, devotion to the things of God, and awe at the works of God? Are those words that could be said of you in the way that you use your time, in the kind of things you speak about, in the kind of stories you share? Does devotion and awe characterize you in your faith at the moment? And specifically, I want to ask about your relationship with church tonight. Your relationship with church. And I don't mean necessarily with HTC, I just mean where are you at with church? Does devotion and awe describe your relationship as you gather with other Christians? What would be said of you? What would you say of yourself? I've asked you tonight to think about your experience previously of church. But just if you were to think through maybe where you're at at the moment, however long you want to put that season, the past week, the past month, the past 18 months, pre-pandemic, however far you want to go back, how would, it, how would your relationship with church and what God does as his people gather be described? And would it be described, crucially, like this? Devotion and awe. Because you can't escape the fact that these people were together a lot, can you? It says they devoted themselves, they're filled with awe. But then it says in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So where were they? Together. When were they doing that? Every day. What were they? Together. Where where were they doing it? Every day. And one of the things we can fall into as Christians, one of the sort of lies of the enemy, one of the traps we can fall into, is thinking that we are okay on our own. And thinking that we can do this relationship with God on our own. And we hear and receive that amazing message about, you know, we can come to Jesus Christ, we can receive forgiveness for our sins, we can have a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah, thank God for that. Through the work of Jesus Christ, you can know God personally. And we all have that beginning place and then we can walk away from that gradually and forget that what God does in us individually is meant to bring us together with other Christians. That we're not just saved, just us and God, but we're adopted into God's family And we forget that a gathering like this or the people that we might see in our connect group or the people we might meet up for a coffee with or whoever it is, we forget that they're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And we forget that we need other people to do our walk with God with. We forget that our faith is actually like a group project and not a solo project. Group projects are hard, aren't they? Have you ever tried a group project at school or university or something or at work? It's tricky because everybody's got to pull their weight, you know? And you've all got the people who are not working, you've got the person who's working really hard. I don't know what kind of person you are in that. 
you know, I've been on this stag do this weekend. I'm like, right, we're all going to help. We're all going to clean up now. You've got some people who just immediately just sit down again. And you've got some people who are doing the thing. And it's frustrating when you're in a group because there's all sorts of different kinds of people. And yet, that is what God has called us to is his group, his family, the church. And he has designed it and he has made it so that the church is where we are to be together. And we're actually where we're going to find encouragement for our faith. And we're going to find the strength that we're going to need. And where we get redirected to God. I mean, I was just standing at the front of church tonight, just listening to everybody sing. It's so encouraging for me, at least, to hear people singing and worshipping God. In great contrast, I have to say, to Church Online, which has happened largely during the pandemic. And that's the context, I suppose, that I'm asking this. You know, where are you at with church? I mean, some of you tonight, you won't normally go to church. Maybe you're visiting. I'd be fascinated to know what you make of everything. But we haven't, we? We've gone through a time where church, as we knew it, moved totally online. Everything seemed to be online. Connect groups were online. Sunday services were online. And if I just speak personally how that was for me, at first, I enjoyed it. Oh, this is different. Oh, this is fun. We're putting the services together. We won't talk about what happened on Easter Sunday where I copied two songs on top of each other and it sounded awful. You know, the biggest service of the year. We won't talk about that. You know, at first it was exciting. Oh, you know, this is different. Okay, and people seem to be encouraged. And actually, some people were saying, I feel more connected to church than I have been in ages. I actually feel more connected than I did before. Now we've gone online. And I think I felt a similar way. And then it went on and on and on and on. And I think for me, I lost that sense of joy of going online. And ultimately, it wasn't particularly encouraging to me. And I only really realized that when I came back with other people. The first few connect groups we did in person, connect groups were our smaller midweek groups. We get together, there's about 10 to 15 of us, eat food, pray. Getting back and doing that in person was brilliant. Getting back and coming together and just hanging out and doing some of the stuff that's described here, eating together, worshiping together, studying God's word together was awesome. It was so encouraging. And I ask you tonight, where are you at with church? Are you feeling encouraged? Or are you feeling like actually you've been in a particularly difficult season? I had a picture in the prayer meeting beforehand. It might be from God, I don't know. But um, it reminded me of a story of, um, uh, apparently, the, you know the um, tracking app Strava that people use for running and that sort of thing? Well, unfortunately, um, Strava has been pointing out army bases in places like Iran and all over the world because people don't turn off the tracing bit and then suddenly in the middle of a desert you can see a square as people have been running just around and around and around the block and suddenly it's this big security nightmare because, you know, people aren't supposed to know that there's a military base there and that sort of thing. But my sense is that's kind of what church has been like for some of us. It's just been running round and around and around and around and around the same place and not going anywhere. I was going to say it's a bit like running on a treadmill, but at least on a treadmill you've got something to help your feet. But I just wonder if for some of us church has been this thing where it's taken a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort eventually to turn the television on at the right time or go on your laptop or whatever it was. But it hasn't felt like you're getting anywhere. And, you know, we're considering this thing about awe at the moment. You know, these people here in Acts, we're reading about this time when they're so in awe of God and they're so encouraged. 
But maybe for some of us, we haven't felt encouraged. We haven't felt in awe of who God is. Even if we can still say, yeah, I believe, we haven't been in awe of God. We haven't felt encouraged in our faith. Maybe we've just been tired and lacking the joy that we've had before. But I want to encourage you tonight that if you want to grow in your awe of God and your wonder of who he is, to devote yourself to God's family, the church. If you want to grow in your awe of God, grow in your devotion to God's family. Commit yourself. I mean, if this, by the way, if you are new to this church, it's so good to have you. If you're checking us out, if you're like, is HGC going to be my church? Well, I just want to say you're so, so welcome. But I also want to say if God's calling you here, that is amazing. And if he's calling you somewhere else, brilliant. But wherever you go, devote yourself to it. Put it in your diary. Put church in your diary. Put connect group in your diary. Don't make plans when you could do be with the people of God. Or whatever helps you. You know, we need people to serve in various things. We need help at the back on the AV things. We always need help with the children's group. We need help in, in midweek. We need help with the worship team. We need help. We've got a new ministry running on Tuesdays. Devote yourselves to those sort of things. Get involved. Get stuck in. We'd love to have your help. But more than that, can I encourage you to devote yourselves to the other people around you? Not just to showing up to connect group or to church, but to showing up with that sense of, ah, I'm here to give and not just to get. What can I give to the people around me? Let me encourage you, every time you come to church, ask someone, how can I pray for you? Every time you come to church. Or, not just how can I pray for you, but hey, can I pray for you right now about that? Someone shares with me. Hey, how can I pray for you? Or whatever it is. Meet up for coffee with people. Someone just before the service was telling me a very encouraging story about how just in the few weeks recently to this, he's been meeting up with a couple of people from his church and his faith has really come alive. And he didn't actually realize where he was until he sees where he is right now. But it's all come as he's devoted himself to the kind of things we read about in Acts, the kind of things that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years and the kind of things I'd encourage you in. Devote yourself to church in the sense of devote yourself to the family of God. And as you do that, it's a very simple thing, I think, you'll be more encouraged. You'll be encouraged in your faith as you are with God's people. Because that's how God has designed it to work. That's what God wants for us. But what I don't mean by this is that you just need to pull your socks up and show up and do, you know, look busy. You know, Jesus is coming, look busy, that sort of thing. It's not just about, right, okay, Tim, yep, devote myself, thank you very much, I've got that, I've got it in my diary for the next 15 years, church, every Sunday, see you there, don't worry, Tim, I'm going to take that very seriously, and I'm going to make sure you know that I'm going to be there. It's not about that, because it's the, the passage here with the, these people, you know, they're having to, everything together, they've got everything in common, selling property and possessions, that's amazing, giving away what they have, you know, meeting together daily, it does sound a bit exhausting, doesn't it? Every day, you know, oh gosh. Although actually, do join us every day for our prayer meeting in September. But they you know, break bread um, and they're enjoying the favor of all the people. And then it says this very interesting thing in verse 46. So not only do they continue to meet together and they break bread together, but it says that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And this is what I want to encourage you in or to ask you about tonight. Not just where you're at with your faith and where you're at with church, but where's your heart? Could you say that your heart is glad and sincere in God 
at the moment? Are you glad, joyful, happy, thankful? Are you sincere, as in not putting on a mask, being truthful? Because there these guys were, full of joy at what God is doing and being sincere in their relationships to one another. And it is your heart that is the underlying thing to your outward expression of your faith. Because the thing is, you could be very, very busy. You could show up to everything at church and you could help on every rotor. But your heart might not be joyful and sincere. This is exactly what Rory spoke about last week. Where through the prophet Isaiah, God warned the people where he said, you, you confess me with your lips, you talk about me, you know, you say the right things, but your hearts are far from me. So I ask you tonight, where's your heart with God? Are you encouraged inwardly with him? And maybe if we want to do a scale. So on one hand, we've got glad and sincere, okay? And on the other hand, maybe the opposite of that is going to be sad and cynical, okay? So glad and sincere, sad and cynical. And where are you? Are you encouraged? Are you glad? Are you sincere with other Christians? Or maybe actually you're towards the other end. Maybe actually, yeah, I don't feel encouraged at the moment. Actually, I feel like I have to put up a bit of a mask. And I don't think it's as extreme as saying we can either be sad and cynical or glad and joyful. It's a sliding scale in between them. But I want to encourage you tonight that God wants you to move towards, and he has the power for you to move towards, in your heart, being glad and joyful. And for this kind of amazing pattern of the church, not just being something that is far in the distance, but it can be a reality in your life and the reality for our church. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is still at work. And God calls us to respond to all he's done. You see, there's this pattern in this um, bit of Acts where God does something and then people respond. And then God does something and then the people respond. So God saves 3,000 people just earlier before in chapter two. And then they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, etc., etc. And then God is moving in signs and wonders. And then the people respond as they sell everything they have and they have everything in common with the people around them. Can you see the pattern? God does something, they respond. God does something, they respond. You know, they're praying together, they're enjoying the favor of the people. And then it says, the Lord added to the number daily those who are being saved. So God does something and they respond. And then God does something else and then they respond. And I want to encourage us, God can do the same thing for us. And God wants us to respond in the same way. When we see or hear of something that God has done, say, wow, thank you, God, and to to devote ourselves and to let that fuel our devotion. But the challenge for us will be, and this is, I think, the challenge of, say, the past 18 months where church hasn't been together, is how do you devote yourself when you don't feel like you've got much encouraging going on around you? You know, this, yeah, there's amazing signs and wonders happening for these guys. I'd be, you know, anybody would be encouraged, surely, by that. But what if you're not seeing God immediately at work? What do you do? Well, I want to encourage you again and again and again and again to bring yourself to Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross. Every time you come to church or every time you meet with your connect group or every time you come to God personally in prayer, you have a reason to be in awe of what he has done. Jesus Christ has died for you. He has taken your sin upon himself. He has given himself in your place that you might know an eternal relationship with your heavenly father. And that is a true reality in your life, whatever you face.
And I want to encourage you to take encouragement from that and let that shape your heart. And I want to encourage you to take encouragement for that and fuel your devotion to God's people. And what you'll find is that as you uh, take encouragement from the cross of Christ and all that God has done for you and his great love for you, as you devote yourself, you'll see God move more and more. And as you see God move more and more, your heart will be encouraged. You'll move increasingly more to being glad and sincere. You'll move increasingly more to all that God has for you. Because God wants to move through us. And God has more for HCC. We have an amazing history at HCC, don't we? Of William Wilberforce and the Clapham sect and the abolition of slavery. And I always think it's amazing there's a, a history in this church of captives being set free. And the prayer has to be, oh God, do it again. Oh God, would you set captives free again and would you do it here? But as the people of God, I want to encourage you, devote yourselves to the things of God while we're waiting for him to move, while we're waiting for revival, while we're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherefore, we're seeing God breaking in in a small way, even as we await the big. Devote yourself to God. And you'll be encouraged. And you'll go in your faith. And devote yourself specifically to other people. Devote yourself to the church. As we grow into all that God has called us to be. Let's pray together, shall we? God, we confess that we need you. And God, we confess our great need for you. And we're sorry for where we've tried to do this walk with you on our own. And God, we confess where we need to that maybe for some of you tonight, you just need to say, God, yeah, God, I'm not encouraged at the moment. And meeting with God's people does not feel like this joyful or sincere thing. I just want to encourage you to bring that and give that to God now. God, I pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit again. And just as the filling of your Holy Spirit moved these people in Acts to responding and devoting themselves, I pray that you would do that in us. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your life. Fill us with your hope. Lord, we don't want to do this thing called walking with Jesus Christ in our own strength. So Lord, I pray that you would help us all. In Jesus' name, amen.